Romans chapter 10. We are going to read a passage of scripture. Tell somebody, did you read your Bible today? If they can't answer, tell them, don't worry, I got you. <laughs> you are covered. But please, tomorrow, try and read your Bible. <laughs> okay. Romans chapter 10, we're going to read from verse 1 all the way to 17. Today, we'll be reading scriptures. And then when we finish, we'll try and read more scriptures. So that we'll finish by reading more scriptures. Amen. I always tell you that the word of God says it better than anyone else can say it. We'll read the NLT and then we'll read some in the New King James. And then, see, one of the things about scripture is that you must make sure that the scripture you are reading, you understand. So if you are reading King James and it looks like King James died more than thousands years ago. You, you, you know, yeah, do thou. Those of you who've been in literature, I see how you struggled with Shakespeare. <laughs> you know, I never liked Shakespeare, but when I watched a few of the Shakespeare movies, I realized that they were nice. It was just the, you know, first of all, the fact that it was being used for exams, and also secondly, isn't it? Yeah, Miss Havisham. And then, how many of you did Miss Havisham? Withering Heights, you didn't read it. Oh. Hey. Or you did Romeo and Juliet. Where are thou, Romeo? <laughs> I read this from the NLT, from verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, Romans chapter 10, 1. So we finished 17. The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. The New King James says that, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. What is your heart's desire? We just sang, this is my desire, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes some of the songs, when they come, don't sing. Because you yourself, you know that the singing, it's a lie. <laughs> My desire is to honor you. Verse 2, I know what enthusiasm from the NLT they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Say minus me. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Those of us who hang around social media a lot, haven't you realized that some of your social media preachers and sometimes they are saying something so strongly and they are very, and you know that this one is error. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. It's as simple as that. 
because God, Christ has already fulfilled the law, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. May the word of God be on your lips and in your heart. And that I feel like the word of God is sort of in church, in our notebook or iPad. Do you understand? The word of God is mainly located where we type. Do you understand? It's like in a book. Hmm. May it be in your heart. Yeah, may it be on your lips. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Tell somebody simple. Let's not complicate the word of God and faith, okay? For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone, anyone, the morally upright, the drunkard, the alcohol, the prostitute, the virgin, the non-virgin, the old, the young, the crazy, the not so crazy. Isn't it? Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. The Nick and James says, I will not be ashamed. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him? To save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Who's the someone? Do we know the someone? Here are my Lord, send them. <laughs> hmm. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. Amen. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Last week we started talking about being a soul winner. And we looked at a couple of things. About the fact that you have to be an ardent follower of Jesus. You have to practice before you go and share. And you have to have and learn the God talk. And make sure 
that your identity is in that. And today we want to push a little bit further based on this passage we have read to see some characteristics of a soul winner. Amen. Because every Christian is called to evangelize and to win souls. And somebody will say that I'm not called to be an evangelist. I don't have a calling. But how many of you know that all of us in this room, with the exception of very few, how many of us know that we, we are not caterers, but we all cook? You don't get it? <laughs> do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Because if we are going by that analogy, we have to sit still at home and let caterers bring us food. But we all cook. Whether it's eatable or very eatable, we cook. We cook for our families, we cook for ourselves, and we eat it. Sometimes it hits the mark. Some, even when it doesn't hit the mark, we eat it. Do, do you get it? So God has called us to win souls, not because that is an office we sit in, but because we are Christians. Because, just because you're a believer. Do you understand? Yes, even those who say, their husbands who say they don't know how to cook, they don't, don't cook, don't cook. But when their wives travel, magically, when they get fed up with KFC, Nando's, whatever, you'll find them in the kitchen trying out something. Do you understand? The first time I saw my elder brother frying egg, he put a bit of oil in the frying pan, and then the first thing he put in the oil was salt. We knew we had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when we tried to correct him, he said the egg will go and meet the salt. <laughs> you, you do not want to know how the egg turned out. But he had to eat it. Yeah. And he ate it. Do you, you, you get it? And how many of you know that the more you cook and practice, the better you become? There are people who are not called uh, chefs or caterers or whatever, but they cook better. Do you understand? Some people cook very well if they are cooking for less than 10 people. <laughs> there are some people when they are cooking for less than 10, their food is perfect. When they have to cook the same rice for 200 people, there is half cooked, half parboiled. Uh, <laughs> you know? But the first thing Romans 10 tells us is that we have to develop a desire. It says that, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. My longing, the longing of my heart is for people to be saved. Yeah. Romans 10, 1. You have to remember it when you don't feel like sharing, encouraging somebody, you know bringing somebody into the faith. You have to remember that. And a desire is a strong thing. Do you understand? You can say, oh, I would like to. But a longing. Do you understand? People, when people long for people, have you seen how they shake? Do you understand? When Amnon wanted Tamar, you see how he, he felt sick. When we hear that people are not saved, we don't fall sick. <laughs> 
don't know. Number two, have, I have a lot of things to share, so I'm going to go with speed. And then if you have a question, you can stop me. If not, we are on the motorway. And Reverend Sam hasn't put any rhythm, any cones on there. So yesterday, I was, I, yesterday, yesterday, I, I was in the uh, LGI visiting and as we were chatting, somebody called who wanted to come and visit, but the person was really struggling around the train station, you know. The person was stuck and the person was almost certain that they had gone through <laughs> a road that they shouldn't have gone through. Then I told, I told Dr. Higgins everybody, I said, tell the person to email Reverend Sam <laughs> and just tell him that these are the problems that they are causing to the people. And then the guy was like, so why don't they just put higher charges so that if you really want to drive in the town, like it is in London? I said, no, in Leeds, we say that we are the climate czars, so we are setting the example for the nation. <laughs> let me, let me, today is so winning, let's not, let's, let's leave that. Number two is to have a servant heart who will go. To have a servant heart. To be a servant unto all. And to have a servant heart requires humility. Some people are embarrassed about sharing Christ. But you see, when we read this part, it said that it's not everybody that you share with who even believe. But what you have to realize is that when you have that servant heart, when you serve others, you're actually serving Christ. Amen. And Jesus is our example. Mark 10, 45, it says that for even the son of man came not to be served, but to save others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Unfortunately for us as Christians, the higher we rise, the more God bless us, the more the servant heart and the servant mindset goes down. Because it's like, by the grace of God, now I am a big man, I'm a big woman. By the grace of God, now I have by the grace of God. But actually, your rise should increase with your humility. Or your humility should increase with your rise. Because the higher that you go, the more humble you should, become, you should come. Because only God can keep you there. Or you don't get what I'm saying? Yeah. If you have a servant heart, you will not be so self-conscious. Do, do you understand? I mean, when you go to... Um, a restaurant or something, the people coming to serve, they don't feel like, why am I going to put a plate on their table? Why do I go and ask them, do you need anything else? Are you okay? Do you understand? Maybe somebody's fork or knife drops, they should pick it up themselves. No, you come and say, don't worry, don't worry about it. They spill something on the table. Oh, don't worry, don't. No. Yeah. But for us who have, by the grace of God, already saved, if you, you don't want salvation, Every man for himself. God for us all. What passage is that? Hmm. Number three. 
We talked about training last week. Discipline yourself. We are talking about the character. So for you to become a soul winner, you have to develop a desire and you have to have a servant heart. And then you yourself, you have to discipline yourself. And disciplining is not an easy thing. Bringing yourself under control is not an easy thing. Training yourself to do what needs to be done and to align itself with the word of God. How many of you realize that we are still working on it? Mm -hmm. But you see, it is needed on this journey. Because as we go further, you come to realize that how you have become is your greatest evangelistic tool. Do, do you get what I'm saying? That is why as a Christian, how you dress, how you present yourself, the places you go, is ministration. If the people you are sharing a house with, do you understand? At Friday at, what time did they go to Anika? 10, 12, 11, 11, 1. Yeah. Depending, those who are going to three night clubs have to start early, isn't it? Yeah. Then when they are going, then as they are setting off, they get there, then they see you wriggling and shaking. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? When they are smoking something, they are passing it around, then you, you collect and then you smoke it. Then on Sunday morning, you carry your Bible and you have the audacity. <laughs> Knowing that we all just went to bed. But you, if you don't go to church, some people will call you. They, they don't go to church, nobody will call them. <laughs> then you are carrying your Bible. Then you have the audacity to go and knock on the door and say, would you like to go to church with me? Are you joking? Or you don't understand what I'm saying? Yes. When the bottle of whatever alcohol they're drinking is finished, you go and top her. You say, oh, don't worry, I'm just going to call up. I'll bring two. Then you come and put it there, and then you all drink. How do you, that same person, then become the one coming to share? Yeah. yeah. Boys come and sleep in your room, and boys come and sleep in my room. Then you want to come and knock on my door and talk to me about Jesus. Has the boy left? <laughs> Hebrews 12. I said I have a lot of things to share, please. Do you see why you have to bring yourself under control? Now, bring it to school or to work. Your manifestation, if you can't bring yourself under control at work, nobody is going to hear you talk about Christ. Obviously, Christ has not been able to control your mouth, control your temper, control your attitude. You are so obnoxious. The unbelievers are even nicer and kinder and more helpful and more temperate. Every time you've blown your top. And, you, and the, the, the worst bit is that you that you have manifested, then you walk away, you'll be praying in tongues. Kaba, shata, baba, may the Lord punish them. Hebrews 12, 11 to 12. 
it says that no discipline is enjoyable. <laughs> Give us the NLT, yeah. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. It's painful. It's painful, especially when anybody who tells you that sinning is not enjoyable in the moment is a liar. They either don't know how to sin right. Oh. Oh. True. Yeah. In anything, whether in terms of your character or whatever, bad, whatever. Yeah. Because you know that when you insult somebody, in the moment you are relieved that you got it off your chest. Ah, you feel so. Ah. Hmm. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest. If you are able to discipline yourself, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Yes. And it is a job. Hi, Tina. It is a job for all of us. I think that either we as pastors and ministers and leaders, when people come into the house of God, because we also want, you know, a certain, don't worry, don't worry. We don't want to put in so much effort to say, you know, this, I want to cast sin out of my flesh. And I want to cast, you know, from today, I bind every um, inordinate affection, something, something. Please. What God will give you is grace to overcome. Do you understand? Grace to get through. Grace to. But you, you are going to. That is why when the Bible says flee youthful last. Do you understand? Thou shalt not. But you have to work on it. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit will enable you, but you have to do it. Verse 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weakness. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong because of you. Because for some of us, when we fall, others will fall. So even though we have a level of weakness, we have to strengthen it. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And you have to work on it. And as a church, my prayer for us is that when a certain level of weakness is seen, have a hoping heart and have a level of humility to get help. Yeah. Because for some of us, what will mess us up is God blessing us. What will mess us up is God blessing us. It's almost like it's a mistake. That is why I don't like to. That is why I don't like. <laughs> Tell somebody, get a grip. Get a grip, get a grip, get a grip. Yeah. Yeah. If you are somebody who is always lying, shut your mouth. When you haven't said anything, you haven't lied. Shut your mouth. I told you this a few years ago, isn't it? I said sometimes if you tell somebody that, you know, oh, BK, I had some money for you. And then as you go, you have to be able to come. BK, I'm sorry, that was a lie. 
You should be able to go back and say, I lied. It will help you not to tell a lie again. Yeah. But you see, the lying has almost been normalized. One of the things if me, I had to learn, as a, even a young, just a shepherd, was that concept, oh, I'll call you. I realized it's a lie. You are not going to call anybody. Do you, do, do you understand? Yeah, it's a lie. But you see how it's okay. Because the intention to call is sort of there. You know you're not going to call. Yeah. Or you don't like what I'm saying. And you see, especially for lying, it leads to a lot of things. Liars steal. You understand? Yes, liars cannot be trusted. So shut up. If you are somebody who even thinks you shouldn't lie about you, lie. Do, do you understand? It's like, oh, I have two yellow dresses. And you don't. I mean, it's a useless lie. <laughs> because it doesn't benefit anybody. It doesn't add anything. Your two yellow dresses, present or absent. Do, do you understand? But maybe you were in a conversation that people were talking about yellow dresses and you thought you should put your mouth in. You see how these little lies, we don't see them as. Yeah. Some of us during the fast, you ate. Say, this fast is not easy. It's a lie. You see, some, some of you, you don't realize why there are certain people who are really close to me. And you are like, ah, but these people, they don't look like they are, you know, they don't look very swelled. But you see, for me, I have a level of confidence in them because even though what they will tell me will not make me happy. Do you understand? They are truthful. Or you don't understand what I'm saying. You see, somebody comes to me and say, Reverend, this fast, I couldn't at all. Will you try sis to tell him? <laughs> Better than you that you assume you when you come to church, you make your face like orange juice, uh, lemon juice. No, you just ate. <laughs> then you put the posture of hunger. It's a lie. Yes. Hmm. I am taking my time on this particular point because I feel like. If we don't get this right, everything else we are doing, even God is not pleased with it. God is not pleased with it. Because when you go to somebody and you are trying to share the gospel, your very life has negated it. Yes, there are so many people you are coming into contact with, but their perception of you does not uh, uh, open a door for you to even share Christ. You cannot even invite them to church. Number four, which follows on from that. Take care to practice what you want to preach. Take care to practice. What you practice when you share, the grace and the power in it is different. That is why if there's a pastor who has a very contentious marriage, and he comes to stand behind the pulpit and he's teaching on love in marriage, <laughs> deep signs to progress. It doesn't minister to anybody. Especially if his wife is also in the church. <laughs> and she's looking at him. <laughs> How many of you this Valentine's Day gave your spouses a nice present? 
I rebuke you for not. And the wife is looking at him like. <laughs> you have to. Do, 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 do you get what I'm saying? Before you can have that authority, you have to be under authority. So when you have been able to bring your body under, then you have that right to. Oh, you don't get what I'm saying? Number five, you have to have a selfless attitude. Selfishness never gains the attention of others. First Corinthians 10, 31 to 33. Oh, we'll run through, we'll finish. So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How many of you think that if you're a Christian and you have a mindset like this, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. You don't need anybody to be monitoring you. Where are you? What are you doing? Because that mindset that whatever I am doing should bring God glory will, will control you. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you will see that even when you are gossiping about somebody, who are you glorifying? When you are backbiting, when you are telling tales about somebody, who are you glorifying? Do you understand? When you find yourself in certain environments, who are you glorifying? You know, we have Christian gossiping. Yes, I think we need to pray for brother X or sister X. That is the starting of a Christian gossip. Because the next thing is, why? <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. <laughs> Verse 32, don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. So it means that what you are doing or what you are not doing or what you are eating or what you are drinking or not eating or drinking, does it offend somebody? I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others. Why? So that many may be saved. I'm saying that for us to have the characteristics of a soul winner. Do, do you get what I'm saying? That means that my action, my attitude. Listen, all of us, we have our uh, proclivities. Do you understand? What we are naturally inclined towards. But because of the sake of others, we control it. Do you understand? We work on it. I used to tell you when I became a pastor initially in Birmingham, before that, one of the things I loved, I don't even know if they do it. You know the big chunky chips from the fish and chips shop where they put in a cone and they pour the vinegar and the salt and then they put the wooden fork in. Oh, it was fantastic. And then as soon as you get to start eating, because if it goes cold, the whole concept is fault. Yeah. Then one day just dawned on me that if I'm walking in the bull, in the bull ring with my fork in the cone and anybody from the church sees me, will I embarrass them? 
and they are working with their friend. Come and meet my pastor. <laughs> when I gave that thing up, I told the church that it's because of them I've given them. And since then, I haven't had some again. Krishna, yeah. That I may save some. Some of us have to stop certain things that you may save some. Some of us have to start doing certain things so that you may save some. You are sharing an apartment with people. Clean up. Clean up. You are the dirtiest among the lot. And you are the most saved. Even days that are not your day to clean, you should clean. Selfless acts. Selfless acts. Yes. There's only this amount of milk left in the fridge. And the two of you arrive, you're like, oh, drink it, don't worry. After you, you need to fast anyway. You're about to break your fast. And selfless acts. We have charismatism has brought us to the place of receiving, locking, taking, catching. That we have become selfish. Selfish. Every prayer must be heading our way. Everything must be done for us. Everything must be a blessing to us. We can't lose anything. We can't sacrifice anything. Because for some people, for you to be able to win them over, something of you must die. Something of you must be sacrificed for them. Verse 3. Uh, Philippians 2. Let's look at 3 to 5. Don't be selfish. I'll finish in the next six minutes. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. People prefer to read a living epistle than to read a written epistle. Reading you will minister to them more than a passage. But you can't do that unless you're humble, unless you're selfless. Unless you have that mindset. And you see, you have to have that consciousness. Because every time your natural self will try and kick in. Every time that one, I don't want to be cheated. I don't want to this. I don't want. Will come. So you have to have that mind that it's not even about me. Within your family, you say you have siblings who are not saved or parents who are not saved. There, it is in you. You are able to bring salvation to your household. But it will cost you. It will cost you looking foolish, acting foolish, almost appear to be cheated. I know Reverend is watching, but you know, this funeral that Reverend went to, I told him that he has proven to me that he's a real Christian. See, because you, opportunities will come where you can stand your ground, know your rights, and you are right. 
You're right. I won't do this. It's true. They don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. But if it will let them see the Christ in me, then it's worth doing. If it's worth them seeing the Christ in me. That should change a lot of us in various areas. Me, naturally, I have a sharp tongue. Naturally. Oh, I am sure when I was born, I said something. I am I'm almost sure. I'm sure I asked my mother, why first April? Why not 31st March? Or I mean, what's this first April? I have to even go and investigate whether it was morning or afternoon because apparently the first April, it only lasts to midday or something. That is a natural self. But I cannot take care of people with that natural self. I cannot be a pastor. I cannot be a wife. I cannot be a mother with that natural self. Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? No, it has to die. I have to, I have to despise it. People don't have to put pressure on me and say that your mouth, your tongue is too sharp. That's why it just irritates you the more. The best person to tell you you're a fool is you. When anybody else tells you you're a fool, you'll be angry. But when you tell yourself, you have to live with yourself. Number six. Based on all the above, you must embody Christ-likeness. What does that mean? You must have the same attitude as Christ. And 1 Corinthians 11.1, the Amplified says that, pattern yourself after me, follow my example. As I imitate and follow Christ the Messiah, let them see Christ in you. I am about my father's business. Your example should be an example. You don't mind others following. Wrong behavior is not okay, even under grace. So now ask your neighbor, is it safe? Ask your neighbor. For anybody to imitate you. Ask them again, is it safe for anybody to imitate you? Now ask them again, do you mind? No, ask them, ask them, do you mind? If I follow your example. Do you see how even little expressions like this can help you? Yes. So I have to ask myself, would I like my daughter to be the kind of wife I am? Would I like her to be the kind of mother I am? Would I like the pastors to be the kind of pastor I am? And you have to apply it everywhere. The way you treat money. Would you want others to treat money the same way? Every time shopping, 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 shopping. Spending, 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 spending. Spending, spending. Is it imitatable? Is that your way? Imitatable. Is it imitatable? The way you talk, is it imitatable? Some of you, you are angry with your children. <laughs> this week I've been disciplining somebody and I've been really disciplining a person. And then the parents were like, I don't know where he learned this from. 
And then as soon as the parents finish saying that, then they'll go, you, they, they, they. I wish I could just record and play and say, you see, the, the child's behavior. Sometimes you don't understand. Where did the child go and learn how to swear? Where did the child go and learn how to insult? But you, even the way you call the child is with an insult. Foolish boy, come here. Your behavior, is it imitatable? Is it an example? Is it one you would like to be emulated? Would you like it? If you saw somebody behaving like that and they give you the credit. I learned it from... Next one is a big lot. Now, I'm going to skip two or three for next week because it's too big. How many of you feel we've had a lot of big things? For the rest of this year, some of the things that we are going to look at, I pray that we will put it into practice. This year, Reverend started a year on foundation. And my prayer for us is that we are going back to the foundation, to the point where scriptures that we already know, that we are not living by, will go back and go and put it back in our lives and let it reflect in our lives before we come and add more to it. Yeah. You know, when you go home, there are two passages, Romans chapter 3, maybe from about verse 20 to the end, and then Romans chapter 6, the same. I want you to read them, and then it's not, we always say, oh, we use them as evangelistic, so winning, no, 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 it's not for any other soul, it's for you for this week. It's for you for this week. think that it will be good for us and try your best to begin to train I said that now they're trying trying we have been trying so now we are just going to work on it we are not just going to become outward Christians Jesus said that they are like white watch tombs and the inside is what dead men's bones. But we want the inside to even be cleaner than the outside. Do you know it's better for people to have a wrong perception of you in the opposite direction? Do you understand? Yeah. Then when they assume that you are righteous and holy and God doesn't see you that way, rise up onto your feet.